afternoon from the racing capital of the world, Speedway, Indiana. My name is Nick Sturgeon, your host. Thank you so very much for listening in to episode number 47 of the Cyber.Now podcast. The number one spot for learning about tech, cybersecurity, politics, and policy. Before I get into it, I want to congratulate all of the Mira nominees and more so the winners from last night's Mirror Awards Banquet Gala. Wish I could have been there. Unfortunately, had some other stuff going on, but from what I saw on Twitter, it was a great, great time. All right, jumping right into it. The show is a year old now. I cannot believe how fast this last year went. I will talk a little bit more about the journey, the time, some highlights and even some lowlights of the last 12 months as it relates to this show. But I I still can't believe how fast things went. I want to take some time now real quick to thank our show sponsor, Delta Research. Again, cannot thank them enough for their support. I also want to thank all of you who are listening to this episode right now for taking time out of your day. Time is the one resource that we do not get back and are not guaranteed. I really appreciate you spending that valuable resource on this podcast. For those of you who are first-time listeners, thank you so very much for tuning in. It is my goal to keep you coming back week in and week out. If you are a returning listener, your continued support is very much appreciated. Outside of listening... I ask only a couple of simple things. And that's if you find this show's content valuable, please share the show with your network, subscribe, rate, review, and go sign up for the mailing list at cyber.now.com for the latest news, insights, and behind-the-scenes information. Same thing with the Facebook page and our Instagram page, which is relatively new. If you want to see what's going on, you want to see some behind-the-scenes stuff, Go sign up for those pages, like them, follow them, and you'll get to see pictures and other things that I am posting as I am at events like the Serious Security Symposium, which we'll talk a little bit more about here in a minute or two. Now, as I mentioned at the intro to the show, we are a year old right now. Actually, it was Thursday, uh, was the anniversary date to be precise. When I started doing this podcast last year, I stepped into the unknown. I didn't know what to expect as far as results and things like that, as far as how the outcome of the show would be. I didn't know if this show was something I was going to be able to sustain for the long term. I didn't have the first clue about how to do a podcast, but over the past 12 months, I have been able to produce 46 episodes, learned a little bit about the art of audio production, about the science behind producing a high quality, or at least the highest quality audio production that I could do. I've had my fair share of technical issues. I was also able to conduct 19 interviews, and that's if I'm doing my math right. I did go back to try to see if that was correct, and you know, measure twice, cut once. 
um, went back through a couple of times, and 19 is what I came up with. I went through a bit of a format change here at the turn of this year, and I experienced my fair share of highs and lows. There's a lot of things, especially when it comes to editing and, and producing the show, that I've had frustrations with. Had some technical issues with losing my hard drive to my laptop in, in March. And that has not only set back time, but also has been a, an expense to get the data back, uh, which I still haven't gotten it all the way back yet. I'm still actually waiting for the hard drive to, to show back up, which hopefully this week uh, we'll get that and be able to go back there and get some stuff that it, to me is really valuable and it was worth the, the time and the cost of sending it off to a specialty uh, place to, to pull the data off. Now, I mentioned the interviews. was able to interview a lot of really cool people over the last 12 months, people that I probably otherwise wouldn't have had a reason to sit down and, and talk to if it wasn't for this show. And my favorite of the interviews that I've done, and all of them were good. Some of them were a lot better than others. Um, enjoyed all of them. But my favorite one has to be with Lindsay Marie of townhall.com. Just a fantastic conversation. It was only supposed to go about an hour. We ended up going well over an hour. Another good one was with uh, Lucy Brenton, the libertarian candidate for the one of the U.S. Senate seats here in Indiana. Also, one that was only supposed to be, you know, thirty minutes to an hour that went well over an hour. And if I'm being honest with all of you guys. The one of the worst interviews, and this had nothing to do with the interviewee as much as it had to do with me not being on my game, was with Jason Stapleton. I thought he did great. I just wasn't on my game. Questions, even though I, I spent a lot of time working on coming up with better questions, I just couldn't seem to get them there. Even hearing me... After the fact, as I was doing the editing of the show, I just wasn't that pumped for that interview or that episode. Now, I was really pumped for the interview. Think highly of Jason. Um, just, I don't know. There's something about that interview that has stuck with me as not being one of my best. When I say worst, I again, it wasn't a bad interview. Just... Of the ones that I have done, it wasn't the best one. Again, I'm very, very appreciative of all the people who I have interviewed. I'm super appreciative of everybody who's come up to me at conferences, at other venues, just to ask why I started this podcast, why I have put myself out there. Now, there's people that I've worked with that are like, man, i super, super cool of you and and courageous of you to put yourself out there like that voicing your thoughts and your opinions all of that good stuff and again super appreciative even the feedback that hasn't been that great i'm appreciative of that i just don't want to hear 
the positives. I want to hear the negatives. I want to hear what people don't like about the show. Because I know it's not perfect. Trust me, I'm not that full of myself to, to think that, man, this show is perfect because I haven't gotten that many negative comments or you know, feedback from people. I know it's not the best. But I do my very best each and every time I get behind the microphone to put out the highest quality of product that I can. I want this show to be an educational too. And I'll talk about that a little bit more here uh, in just a moment. But I really, really have worked hard and even has caused some little bit of friction at home because, you know, where I'm recording isn't the probably most conducive for audio quality you know i've got kids and they're up and out and rambunctious and and can be loud which i don't want that in the uh, audio recording i think it distracts from the message and even talking about the message i know some of the things that i have said may not have been clear uh, there's other times that who knows you guys may think completely wackadoodle but they're my opinions and as i've mentioned before sometimes and a lot of times actually this show allows me to work through my opinions my thought process on certain things whether it be technology or cybersecurity or whatnot so they may not be completely 100 percent strong or or have that full kind of socratic or you know Plato type of strength and thought behind them, but this this allows me to work through some of those. And hopefully, if I am completely off base, there's somebody out there will say, "Hey, uh, this doesn't make sense," or "I want to call BS on that," and that's fine. As I mentioned from the onset of the show, I don't want this to be a vacuum chamber or an echo chamber. I want that feedback. I want the discussion. I want the dialogue. And kind of on that same note, if I'm being honest with you guys, which I try to do my absolute best to, to be 100% genuine and honest, I really don't know if I'm all that good at this podcasting thing or not. I know that I've gotten better than what, than what I was when I first started. I can tell that by just the amount of time I spend editing out the ums and the ahs and the sos or the other vocal fillers. Just on that point alone, I know I've gotten better. There's still things I need to work on, like the breathing. I spend a little bit more time than I would like taking out some breath. So I know I still have some work to do on the breath control. It's gotten better. There's also other little things that you guys may not catch that they're more mannerisms of mine that I don't like and I feel that are distractive or at least would be distractive if I had heard that in another podcast. Again, those are just some things for me that you guys may not even care about, but it's putting in that work to continue to get better, to not just sit back and rest. Oh, this thing sounds kind of good. I'll just sit here and not get better. Now that's not the case. Now this mechanism of podcasting has allowed me it has provided me the ability to expand and grow my human capital it's been a fantastic journey thus far and it's one that i hope to continue for the next 12 months and beyond and it's also allowed 
my two best friends and I to have something else that we can do together and talk about our stuff. And the other podcast that I am on, Books Over Beer, no shameless plug at all. (laughs) So I'm just fortunate enough to be able to do this, even though it may drive my wife and kids crazy. It is something that I have grown into and will continue to grow into, but it's not the only reason I decided to begin to podcast. The other main reason, and really where the value of it is, is in being able to educate and inform folks like you on the topics of tech policy, and cybersecurity. I wholeheartedly believe that everyone needs to have more than just a general understanding of technology, of the policies, and of cybersecurity. It was one of my goals to keep things as non-techie, non-bits and bytes and ones and zeros as possible. Now that is a difficult thing to do when you're covering a topic such as cybersecurity. It is a very technical topic, but I feel that to really get the things that I want to get across to get the importance of why we should all care about this stuff, you need to do it in a non-technical manner. So I think for the non-techies out there, as soon as you start talking about all of that geeky technical stuff, you're lost. And I've lost you before I've even started. So I do my best. Still something that I want to continue to work on to get better in that delivery. But it is something that I think will be of great benefit to everyone. Because obviously I've got my reasons for doing it, the things that I've already mentioned. But if I'm not delivering a value, if I'm not being of service then the show won't grow. The show won't reach more people if they don't find it valuable. If you don't continue to find value in the message of what I am saying. All right, moving on just a little bit to round out the first 12 months of the podcast. I was Extremely fortunate to have the opportunity to record the podcast, this podcast, at the 20th Annual Serious Security Symposium up in West Lafayette this past week. I want to thank Joel and Jerry and Spaff again and all the other Serious staff for inviting me to come up. The conference was fantastic. The lineup of speakers and presentations just was next level stuff. Super great. Some real technical stuff, which was great for me and for the other people there. Some less non-technical stuff, some policy, some even philosophical type of conversations that were happening with AI and sustainability and some other things like that. It's just really cool stuff. During the two-day conference, I was able to conduct four different interviews. The first one was with Ray Rothrock, the CEO of Red Seal, a cybersecurity company based out of Sunnyvale, California. 
Now, Mr. Rothrock was the opening keynote to the symposium on Tuesday, and I caught up with him towards the end of day one. I was able to talk to him about his book, Digital Resilience. We talked, obviously, some cybersecurity stuff and got a little bit of advice about some venture capital stuff as well. Now, that interview will be coming up here just shortly. I really do hope you enjoy the conversation. Also, please go and check out his book, Digital Resilience. It's on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, and other online retail outlets. Now, without further ado, here is my interview with Mr. Ray Rothrock. Welcome back. We are at the end of the 20th Annual Cybersecurity Conference, Day 1. Uh, we still have another day of some great lineup and speakers coming up tomorrow. I am here with the keynote, opening keynote for today, Ray Rothrock, and very excited to have you here. It's an honor. I've looked at your portfolio, your background, uh, very impressive. So if you Thank could you. just do a little introduction, background of who you are and uh, why you're here at West Lafayette. Sure. Well, thank you very much, Nick. Pleasure to, pleasure to be on your podcast. Well, my name's Ray Rothrock, as you said. I'm the CEO of Red Seal. Uh, prior to that, I was a successful venture capitalist with a firm called Vinrock, which is the Rockefeller family. And before that, I was an engineer and a nuclear engineer, actually, way back in the <laughs> 70s. So the concept of what I'm going to talk about actually kind of fits. So in my course of investing in 53 deals at Vinrock, 15 of which were cyber-related, one of them was Red Seal. And when the target attack happened in 2013, I had an aha moment uh, from all my pattern recognition said, ah, the bad guys are in. And because Target's a very powerful company, yep. lots of energy, uh, lots of uh, money and engineers and all that. So uh, Red Seal, I knew something about because I'd invested in it, but I got to thinking more about it. And I got inspired by a number of books, uh, one by Judith Roden called The Resilience Dividend, another one by a guy named Kaplan uh, who talked about beyond cybersecurity. Okay. But anyway, ultimately, I landed on this concept of digital resilience. And so I started writing a book a couple of years ago, and it, the book is called Digital Resilience. And a good friend of mine, Dick Clark, uh, famous uh, cyber czar in the United States, uh, yeah. climbed onto it. And so he really encouraged me to do it. So I am on basically a book tour. And uh, I was invited here to this conference, which I didn't know. I mean, Purdue is well ahead of most universities. Yeah, and they've experience. been doing it a long time. I'll yeah. just give you, again, I'm a little biased. I went to grad school here, even though I grew up in the southern part of the state where we bleed <laughs> crimson. And, and <laughs> that's another, that's another yeah. country down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. But, um, yeah, I went to Israel a couple years oh, ago uh, yeah. with the state contingent, and we were meeting with the head of cyber for IAI, Israeli Aerospace uh, Industry. Industry. Yeah. yeah. Um, very well-known group, and she's yeah. like, so you guys, Purdue, do you guys know SPAF? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah so yeah. we, uh, yeah. as Purdue, this um, the cybersecurity stuff that w yeah, we've you, been you, doing here is you got, you, got, you got one of the fathers uh, yeah. uh, on faculty here. Yeah, no, Israel's amazing. I, my first cyber investment was in Israel, Checkpoint Software. Oh, and, uh, absolutely. And it went, went well. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> phenomenal things coming out of yeah. Israel. Yeah. I mean, they punch way outside of their weight class. <laughs> yeah, they uh, have to. Yeah, they do. Um, yeah, my, my latest investment there is a company called Team 8. 
Not heard of yeah, that. We'll you should look to, it up. Yeah, look it up, look Nick. Uh, Team 8 is a, um, well, most of my deals came out of the Israeli IDF 8200 unit. Oh, yeah, I'm very and, familiar uh, with one those of guys. The, one of the head of two, two leaders ago, two generals ago, was a fellow named Nadav Zafir. Okay. And he and I and another 8200, Yuval Shavar, uh, started this company called Team 8. And we're trying to replicate what Team 8 uh, what 8200 does for the military, we're trying to do it in the commercial. Okay. And we've launched nine companies. Okay. And I get over there three or four times a year, and they, they, they're they a very industrious uh, culture. Yeah. And I, I, I love them to death. And I'm, I've done eight deals in Israel, so. Yeah. We're actually, Indiana last year landed CyberTech. Yeah. The, yeah. We've got the conference coming here for its second year, but this is last year was kind of a kickoff. Yeah. This year is going to be the big two-day cyber tech I think you're event. smart. I think cyber is here to stay, yeah. and it's rising in the boardroom, and it means it's going to get even more and more important. So good for you guys for planting a flag early. Yeah, and I um, actually met with Amir, um, who's the head of uh, cyber tech, actually a couple of days ago. Oh, Great good. guy. He was in yeah. doing some stuff. Actually, for my day job, we're, we're kind of <laughs> going to be working with the, the folks there. So... Um, Mentioned cyber, it's everywhere, the boardrooms, you know, in my day job consulting with a lot sure. of folks. Sure. Um, at board level all the way down, you mentioned digital resiliency. How important is it for companies to be resilient? Yeah. So I think, yeah, uh, very important to be to be resilient because, first of all, the, all the technology is changing very quickly. We're deploying new stuff without really stopping and thinking too much about it. Second, the threats are evolving extraordinarily fast. It used to be 15, 20 years ago, uh, a, a mole would pop up and some entrepreneur would come up with a way to whack it. And that's what I invested in. But that doesn't work anymore. Uh, and, and the newspapers are full of companies. So resilience means being able to survive an attack, not let anybody know you had an attack, and business just keeps on ticking. Yeah. And, and this isn't... The concept of resilience in business is not new. We have d disaster relief yep. or a disaster recovery and business continuity, yep. but we've never had, and those are severe events, yeah. but we never had that mild event where things kind of slow down or maybe uh, uh, credit cards fly out the window, stuff like that. And that's a new concept. So I think we're in a third era where the businesses need to think about being resilient. And that means being prepared for the unknown, which means you got to do things differently. Resili and it, resilience is not a product. It's a state of mind. People, technology, processes, all put together with leadership, and off we go. But it is that kind of trifecta. It is. It, is. it isn't just, well, let's go invest in no. hundreds of thousands of dollars of new technology. Right, right. Um, which you, you probably already have and, plenty of good technology. Yeah. How and, you deploy it, how you operate it, that's what matters. Yeah, I mean, there's I've seen this infographic where it's like a minimum of 53 for uh, on uh, yeah on the average enterprise. enterprise. Yes. Yeah, different security solutions. How I mean, if and they probably only have 10 people operating those yeah. 50 uh, 50 systems. Yeah, it's so crazy. Manpower so. is a huge limitation. So really, then, so you get into the people part. You know, there, quote after quote after quote and stat after stat after stat <laughs> yeah. about the the cyber skill shortage, which I kind of have a little bit. I think we've got a lot of very smart, capable people that can do cyber. Just need a little bit of training. I That's think exactly that right. It, we've got more of a training issue than anything, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, and awareness. And yes, yeah. I think both of those things. So. Yeah, there's lots of, you know, engineers and Ph.D. types that do research. This whole conference is quite a number of wonderful papers presented in the poster session I'm looking forward to. Yeah. But what we don't have is what I call the plumbers, 
the painters, the electricians of the cyber world. These are the people who actually operate the equipment, keep it up and running, keep it upgraded, make sure it's operating properly. These are people who run the security operations center. That's kind of <laughs> like the that's kind of like the cockpit, if you will, yeah. of an enterprise. And you don't need a PhD for that, but you do need skills. You mm -hmm. need to understand the concepts and the architecture. But it is a mindset. It is when you look at security and and. and Going away from kind of the audit mentality of yeah. I, IT no, that's, general controls. That's, that's rear view errors. Um, yeah. it, 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 it's a start. It's a different, yeah, it, it's a good place. There's, yeah. a, there's a role in that. But the mentality, and I see this in, in my uh, travels of even at the corporate level because you look at SOX, you look at SOC, and yeah. all of that, it's all you know, compliance-driven, yeah. regulation-driven. Yeah. Security is not a checkbox. No. And a lot of yeah. well, security is—I yeah. don't think the right word. I think yeah. it, it's security is too technical. It's a, as McKinsey put it in their book some years ago. Look, security used to be in the basement in the corner, mm -hmm. and now it's front and center. When Sony, when the CEO of Sony gets fired, uh, that's that's pretty serious stuff. Yeah, I, and that gets the attention of the boardrooms too. You and CEOs. betcha. They're saying, you mean I could lose? I, I can't imagine what the CEO of Disney probably called us and who's my CISO? Get him on the phone here. Yeah. I want to make sure I'm not in the newspaper tomorrow. Yeah. But even though it, it, I probably lost count of the oh, number yeah. of breaches since Sony, yeah. what do you think yeah. is is it going to take to really start yeah. slowing that bleeding? I mean, it, it seems like there's an arterial um, bleed, gush. bleed out going yeah. out here. I wish I had a good answer. I'm often asked the question, do you think I look, a democracy is an interesting culture. Uh, we're very reactionary. We like to leave us alone, don't mess around with things until something bad happens. Yeah. And I mean look at World War II and how it came to pass and all so it'll probably take unfortunately, it'll probably take a very major thing uh, to happen. There's some really good uh, books that talk about the future cyber war um, out there that are that are worth reading because because cyber doesn't happen overnight. It's a slow roll thing, right? Yeah. It takes time to get this software deployed. It takes time to infiltrate. It takes time to plant the agents that might create some bad bad actions. Mm -hmm. uh, unlike launching a missile and hitting a ship, that can happen in a matter of seconds. So yeah. it's, a different, it's a different thing. And then the, I'll tell you, the, with the Sony, we were in, my company was involved in the Sony cleanup. We have policies in this country that don't allow companies to take action to defend themselves sony's the, got a the hack back is they have, yep. yep. they have to wait they have yep. to call the government and of course the fbi the first thing don't touch anything we need to we got to start our forensics it's like well my company's dying here yeah. you know uh the movie's being siphoned off which is yep. what was going on yep uh we have we have to think that through better we need smart people yeah, and those conversations have been going on and actually um yeah. spencer wilcox is uh, it was Exelron, I, he may still be there, but I remember a couple of years ago going to a conference where he spoke about hacking back. And I mean, it just, some people, especially in the federal government, go, they just type, no, no, yeah. you can't do that. And, yeah. you know, what if you attack some poor grandma's router or something, which is a real possibility. But in that case, he was talking self defense. Right. Buying the, the self-defense principles of self-defense absolutely a, 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 to the world of cyber and i i'm actually support of it i'm having... i am too no i've been <laughs> yeah. to, i've been to plenty of dinner party where yeah. someone finds out i'm in the cyber business and they say you know my pc locked up the other day and i got this screen that said pay me 500 dollars and i paid the money and nothing happened i mean you know <laughs> so did you have a backup she says no and i go 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. So you know we're most people just don't have a clue, unfortunately, and it'll take a big event of some sort to get our attention. Getting back to your original question. So. So talk about your book a little bit more. Sure. Is it available where? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my book is uh, available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, usual places. If you send me an email, ray at redseal.net, I'll send you one. Okay. Tell me who you are, and I'll sign it and send it to you. got a few extra at the, at the place. But it's a, a book, Digital Resilience. The forward is written by Richard Clark, the famous U.S. Uh, cyber czar. But it's a, book, a, it's a book for ordinary people. It's not full of gobbledygook. I, talk, I open with the target attack, and then I dissect it into how we're connected, how uh, the wires work, uh, how communication works. Uh, I use examples like Moby Dick. Uh, talking about how they were lassoed, uh, yep. they were together. You know, yep. you're shaking your head. Yes, oh, you yeah, must have read those books I, in high school. Actually, yeah. and I, we just made my middle daughter read it a couple months there ago. There you go. So. so I take those <laughs> kinds of ideas and I apply them to cyber parallels so that people can, because people understand that, yep. so that people can understand what the cyber means. Because so long as we use the word cyber and talk in gobbledygook, I don't think people are going to get it. No, and and this is one of the things, and I've talked about this on my show, is I think the industry, the cybersecurity industry, is its own worst enemy <laughs> yeah. when it comes to getting acceptance. Yeah. Um, Most deeply technical things are. Yeah. yeah. And, and Their vocabulary is unreachable. It's just silly. And I think even, too, even to get in and go back to another statement about the work, I have experienced this myself when going to the coast of yeah. the West Coast where it's like, nope, you don't come from this particular um, pedigree, so you're not cyber. And I'm like, wait a second. Yeah. I, you know, why, why does that, why yeah, is that why a criteria? Yeah, yeah it's yeah. like when it, – yeah. so Silly. It, it, I think some of those things go to um, – into why again it's taken so long to have this conversation yeah. in the boardroom yeah i think too the press being day in and day out now has helped but i think we're getting to the point where it's getting a little bit um to the getting used to it yeah we're long getting, in the tooth yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I agree with that unfortunately but um getting back to the book so one of the things i also did in the book my publisher gave me some great advice because it's actually to your point so you can read these chapters 20 25 pages but at the end of each chapter and often throughout the chapter there's little offset blocks that are sort of like this is what this is about you don't have to read the cases that i laid out and so but this and the last chapter is a summary of all those so you can actually read the book in two hours or read it in 20 minutes take your pick because i tried to make it Reachable, so yeah. it's, it's kind of like one of those books you might get at the airport and read on a short flight okay. or something like that. I didn't make it. It's not a tome. It's not a PhD thesis or anything <laughs> like that. It's it's a, it's full of practical knowledge because I've been doing this for about thirty years, and um, so I, I I brought to it a lot of ideas that way. So. Well, um, we are we getting doing? we're doing pretty good. Okay. You got a few more minutes? I, absolutely. So through venture capital and yeah. I'm going to bring it into sure. uh, Indiana because Indiana especially Indianapolis is starting to get this convergence cool I, and I so I'm going to just one of the things that we are having um, I won't say a problem with is that getting that venture capital money staying in so I mean it, what would it take uh, from a, yeah. a, a um, somebody that's been in the venture capital business to, for a tech company or f, you know, for 
um, a startup to, to yeah. get that and, and really um, help continue this, this, like I said, this convergence that yeah. Indiana is seeing. And, ma- and many other places, uh, yeah. by the way. So I was chairman of the National Venture Capital Association in 2012-13 and on the board for five years. So we we had many issues to talk about, uh, some federal taxation and other things. But one of the things we talked about was exactly what you just said, Nick, the putting your finger right on How do we get venture capital out from the concentrated areas? So there are a couple of things you need to understand. Venture capital is sort of a uh, it's a man-on-man, woman-on-woman. It's a, it's a contact sport. It's hard to do long distance. So the money has to come here. Don't expect California money to come here. In fact, there's an old, an old saying in venture capital, if you get a phone call from Oklahoma to look at a hot deal in Oklahoma City, the first question you should ask, well, who in Oklahoma is in the deal? Yeah. Because they know better locally, the people, the culture, and all that, than anybody outside. So you got to get the money here. And the way to get the money here, and we concluded, was there are, some, there are VCs who grew up here or grew up in Chicago, or grew up in uh, Cincinnati. In fact, there's one pretty, uh, pretty su- very, not pretty, very successful uh, venture capitalist on the board of the NVCA who is from Cincinnati, and he, I forget what his firm's called. It's called Jump, I think, or something okay. like that. And uh, he does what we do in California and New York and Texas. He does it locally, and he drives a lot, a lot of hours to drive it. But it's a local game. And once you get... The first successful one, then the second one comes. And it's a flywheel effect. It's a networking effect. And it just takes time. But it takes a little grit, a little money, and someone local that has that in their hip pocket. Yeah. And I think it's chicken or the – yeah, chicken A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. But you need someone who's got an affinity for the area. Yeah. Who grew up here, went to school here, whatever. That's who you want to really lead the effort. Yeah, and if I, you can find it. Yeah, if you can, and what? I think we're starting yeah. to get it. I mean, we've hey, got elevate. Yeah, Elevate Ventures is a big yeah. Um, yeah. venture capital here. They're doing a lot. They're an angel investor working with the sure. state. The state's doing a lot to kind of help attract. Sure. Uh, from the business standpoint, so I think we've got some of those good yeah. things going. Yeah, Wisconsin's but, doing it. Yeah. Illinois's doing. It. I mean, everybody. It's good. It just takes time. Yeah. Just keep keep plowing away. So is there anything else you wanted to uh, just to let my listeners no, know? No, sure. Change, have, uh, change your passwords. <laughs> <laughs> it really it really matters. Don't fall for phishing. That's where most of the trouble falls from. And, um, you know, good luck. Thanks. Um, you mentioned your email. How, uh, oh, Ray you, at redseal.net. Are you on social media? Or yeah, yeah, at Ray at, Rothrock. Okay. Twitter's just at Ray Rothrock. Send me a a tweet or a message and tweet and i'll send you a book yeah awesome well ray yeah. thank you so much great, for Nick. coming into the symposium this, this one is of, great this is one of the uh, conferences that i really do enjoy coming to because you get some real heavy hitters to come in yeah. and talk and it's intimate ah hey good it, for it, you. Co- yeah, yeah so it's good hall talk good lunch yeah. so i sat with yeah. a couple of people at lunch we had a great conversation a fellow from MasterCard and uh, a youngster from Infosys who's just sort of starting out in the uh, cyber yeah, business. It's just that mix. Yeah. I mean, so it's just one of these things. I, I like coming to every year, and thankfully, uh, Sirius and Joel yeah. do a allow, good job. Yeah, they do a great job and allow, you know, old grads to come back and do <laughs> things like this. So. It keeps you local, keeps you yeah. happy. Yeah, yeah, my undergraduate, Texas a it's a long way from where I live, but I get down here two or three times a year. It's fun. Again, thanks to Ray for taking the time at the end of day one to sit down and talk to me about his book, about cybersecurity. But before we go, I did actually get a chance to sit down with Doug Rapp of Delta Research to talk about what Delta Research is, what they're doing, 
what they can do for you if you are looking for some help in cybersecurity. So here's the brief interview with Doug. Coming live from Sirius Symposium, the 20th annual security conference here with what is your title, Doug, at Delta Research, the the premium cybersecurity sponsor <laughs> for the Cyber.Now podcast? Glad to have you on board. Glad to get you here to talk a little about Delta Research. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, so what is my title? Um, we're not real big on titles, but uh, <laughs> I guess uh, I'm a founder or principal or whatever you choose to call me now. But uh, more than anything, I'm, I'm kind of the lead consultant. So tell us, what does Delta Research do? Why should my listeners come check you guys out? Yeah, so Delta Research uh, is uh, just a group of uh, experts within the industry that got together that realized that they um, they had a lot of connections. So uh, what we do is a lot of business development and consulting around cybersecurity and technology. So uh, if, uh, if you have a major problem, um, we likely know somebody who has a solution for it. We're vendor agnostic. So uh, if somebody has a vendor solution out there, then uh, uh, we can help you sort through it and see what's the best fit for you, uh, not, not, uh, not sell you a product or a service that you don't need. But uh, whether it's GDPR, whether it's uh, project management for building out socks or tool selection or those types of things, um, uh, again, uh, we, we look out across all the solutions that are out there and help you pick the best one for you. So what is your guys' target kind of niche kind of sector is it all over the board are you guys specializing in a certain area um so i would say the majority of what we do is is really uh uh, is is really focused around cybersecurity solutions so um and and that could be anything from like i said a, a big project that you need or helping find uh, specific talent. So we know talent's a, a huge crisis out there. Um, uh, so uh, we don't really have a specific niche um, outside of security and privacy and risk. Now, and, and then the companies that would be a good fit for you, you doing small, medium, large size companies, I mean, what, what's that kind of um, focus? Well, we don't discriminate, so uh, yeah. <laughs> Any and all. We are about, uh, we are about uh, action, we are about moving forward, we are about finding solutions, um, and if we can help a, uh, a small company, uh, our, uh, our smallest client has uh, five employees, um, uh, and then our larger clients are enterprise levels, so um, we, we can uh, we can assist anybody, and, and we certainly don't discriminate. We we definitely want to be uh, uh, accessible to uh, to smaller businesses because you know SMBs are fifty percent of the entire economy out there. Yeah. What distinguishes Delta Research from the other players in the game? Yeah, we're not sure what game we're playing, so um, we, we're not sure who the other players are at this point. Uh, no, so we we are really uh, problem solvers, and that's the that's the focus that that we have. So um, I think many providers out there um, can offer you pinpoint solutions. So uh, whether it's uh, MSSP or VAR or something like that, that's not us. Um, if you have a uh, if you have a very specific need. Um, we can we can help 
fulfill that need. So we're kind of more of a big picture um, help steer you to the right place, whether it's marketing strategy, business development, uh, project management, uh, any of those things. If you want to, if you want to build a marketing plan or sell a product, uh, we can help you there. If you want to build a sock, we can help you with, you know, what that layout looks like, what the tools are, what the infrastructure looks like, what markets to go after. So, for those who would want to reach out for your guys' service, how do they get a hold of you? So we are right now uh, rebuilding our website, as uh, as uh, as a lot of folks are at this this moment. So, um, but they can reach us. Uh, they can reach me at uh, drap at cybercrossroads.com, um, or they can uh, when the website's up, it'll be up at uh, www.cybercrossroads.com. So, or uh, if you don't have my my uh, my number, I'll be glad to hand it out. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you guys coming on and, yeah. and as a sponsor and the premium cybersecurity sponsor for the, the podcast. It's great to have you guys aboard. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. And I appreciate what you're doing for the uh, cybersecurity ecosystem here in the Midwest. Uh, you know, it's uh, people like yourself that uh, get down in the weeds and make things happen. And, and we appreciate that. Well, Glad to partner with you guys. Thanks. Okay, guys, that's it for this week's show. Next week, I will be bringing you three more interviews that were done at the 20th Annual Serious Security Symposium. Again, thank you all for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks to Ray. Thanks to Doug for sitting down with me on Tuesday. I cannot thank Delta Research enough for their support. Thanks to the faculty and staff of Sirius for inviting me to record at the symposium. Now, if you want to join in on the conversation, you can go to the show's webpage at cyber.now.com. You can go to our Facebook page, hit us up on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to get a hold of me directly, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore Polititech or email me at nick at thepolititech.com. Finally, If you think this show is worthy, go to iTunes, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcasting platform to subscribe, rate, review, and don't forget to share the show. If you guys do all of that, I will be back again next week to do this thing once more. Until then, have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.